0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day.
2: Introducing Built to Last, a new podcast by American Express. I'm Elaine Welteroth, and I'm excited to host the debut season where we will be deep diving into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Through these important conversations, we'll hear how the Black business leaders of our past have inspired today's Black-owned small businesses and communities. Join us for the debut season of Built to Last on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
0: Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals?
2: It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisco. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry at jake underscore nfl please like subscribe and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily bengals content just for you
3: What's good, Bengals fans? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today, we will update the Mock Madness series, get into our final first round matchup, and we'll take a quick look at the poll that I'm going to demand a recount here. Joe apparently won the dueling mock draft yesterday. I think that is probably just uh, a polling error.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) So... You guys said basically what Jake is, is alluding. He, instead of just saying it, he's alluding to it. I beat him in the dueling box, And I think we should do that at least one more time before the actual draft.
3: Well, it doesn't seem to matter. I think I think he, next time what we're going to do is we're going to make it at least anonymous on Twitter. Make people at least listen. Because we got a lot of votes right away when I posted that at like 3 in the morning Eastern time. No, it was probably mi- close to one 1 Eastern last night. When I, when I put the tweet up, because it was after I got home. We got a lot of immediate votes, and I know you didn't listen to the podcast before you guys voted.
2: That's just like real life. What do you expect?
3: I mean, it is real life. This is, this is real life, Joe. This is serious. You're right. Uh, let's see. What else happened today? Uh, some Bengals news. Before we get to reviewing our Mock Madness poll... The Cincinnati Bengals hosted a couple of draft visits. One of them is the well-known Andre Dillard, and the other was an offensive lineman from Villanova, whose last name is Hitner. What was his first name?
2: Oh, I have no idea. I've never oh. heard of this guy. The only reason people are... And he's got a lot of visits lined up, apparently. He's Eight. got the size and athletic profile of a NFL offensive lineman. So teams are doing their homework, their late-minute homework. These last visits are very important easy for late interest or because guys popped up at their own pro day and you're like, we need to get this guy in here and, yep. and dig into his brain a little bit. And I think it was a pro day. His name
3: is, oh, I was just looking at Andre. Nope. That's Andre Diller. Brandon Hittner, offensive great. lineman from Villanova. I don't, I don't have his measurements in front of me, but he had a great vertical Apparently, he had really good burst at his combine, had some good athletic testing numbers, and I think that's probably why teams are taking a look. He's not even in the PFF draft guide. When you Google uh, Brandon Hittner scouting report, you don't get a whole lot, uh, but yeah. you do get that the Saints had him in and you see this list of teams that had him in for visits. So there's definitely interest amongst NFL teams at this point in finding yeah. out what this guy's about.
2: That's one of those late round, maybe even undrafted. But this is when – undrafted is a weird thing. We'll probably talk about it when day three actually arrives because sixth, seventh round and undrafted guys pretty much get the same grade. And it just depends on sixth and seventh round, you prioritizing, well, I don't want to lose this guy on the open market, so I'm going to draft him instead. And that's basically how you know this guy from Villanova would be seen as if teams actually covet him after bringing him in. Yeah. Yeah.
3: The other visit, of course, Andre Dillard, who was previously put up against Devin Bush in our Mock Madness poll. You guys overwhelmingly voted against was Devin Andre White. Dillard. Oh, it
2: was against Devin White. It was because Bush and Gary are going. against Oh, yeah,
3: champ. of course. Well, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised then that less less surprised that uh, that Dillard got crushed by Devin White. But right. Devin White seemed by some as the top offensive tackle in the draft. It's, I think, a very split opinion on the top offensive tackle. we talked about it a lot between the four guys at the top. Uh, But, you know, when you have people calling him the Patrick Mahomes of left tackle prospects, my ears perk up.
2: I hear you. And I was just looking at Gil Brandt's top 150 for NFL.com, and he has Andre Dillard, number 11 overall. So the Bengals bringing him in for a visit. Gil Brandt's usually pretty good in terms of where he ranks guys. Uh, I think you can look at this and say there is a very fair chance he goes in the top twelve. And the Bengals have a need at tackle and have a need at future left tackle upside type guys. And the way he tested, the way he looks on tape, pass protection wise, they can make a lot worse picks in my opinion. They sure could. So there one more, are one more visit though. I don't know if you're going to get to it. A... Paris Campbell is here with uh, a oh, lot of yeah. a lot other Ohio State and some Kentucky guys. this the safety. Uh, Oh, I'm, thinking, I'm forgetting his name from Mike Kentucky. Mike is it? Yes. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And five interceptions, I, I believe, over his career. A lot of ball skills plays. Paris Campbell's interesting. They're getting local visits, so you'll bring in a lot of people. Uh, if you remember last year from Louisville, Lamar Jackson was a local visit, but it, it made everyone perk up on those last final days or last couple weeks right before the draft. You want to bring these guys in. It doesn't mean that they're not interested, but it you're bringing them in to maybe drum up some more interest And in. It's a free visit, so you might as well do it.
3: Mike Adams, if you if it is Mike Adams, I'm not sure if I've got that name right, isn't listed in the PFF Draft Guide. Mike Candy Edwards. Event. Mike Edwards. Edwards, there he is. thank yep, you. He is in the sorry. PFF Draft Guide. Um, good run defense grades, better coverage in 2017 to 2018, three-and-a-half-year starter, pretty steady across the board, modest improvement from junior to senior year, big leap from sophomore to junior year. I so, think he's a
2: third-to-fifth-round type guy and someone that could maybe develop and be a starter had uh
3: 171 targets in his four years at kentucky uh had his hands on 17 of them 11 passes defense and six interceptions
2: yeah yeah he's you can see the ball skills uh in edwards
3: it's interesting and who is the other one paris campbell fast guy who apparently is a lock for the first round according to tom brenneman
2: yeah, and and Gil Brandt has him in his top 32 also. So I do think there is a good chance he's been being mocked more and more ever since the Combine. He had a really good Combine. Uh, Campbell's interesting. He's more athlete than receiver at this point. Uh, he's kind of similar to Ross in terms of the speed and rawness uh and raw just athleticism How we can just beat guys to the edge into the corner make people miss in space i think campbell is more of a horizontal threat and ross is more of a vertical threat so it makes it a little bit different but i could see why he would fit in a zach taylor offense i just don't think he'll be there at 42 and i think it'd be way too early at 11 to invest in wide receiver
3: could be a guy that if they trade back is is he, he he was uh third in this class in slot receptions. He has 79 of his 91 receptions out of the slot for Ohio state in 2018 and 939 of his 1071 yards out of the slot. So a vast majority of his production coming out of the slot when you already have Tyler Boyd on the team. Well, are you really going to invest another high pick in a guy that is, was strictly used out of the slot essentially. Uh, and like you said, more horizontal than deep only had two cat, two catches
2: uh, more than 20 yards down the field in yeah. 2018. Yeah, he's definitely not that type of guy. It's So it's going to be dependent on what you want. Obviously, Green can still get deep, we hope. We think. Uh, Boyd was had more success there last year than we uh, ever anticipated. And I do think in a Rams-type offense, you've got a lot of slot receivers, and more yeah. than just one guy. So that would help out Paris Campbell in a lot of ways, especially with the jet sweeps and motions and things like yeah. that. He would be a, a good weapon for that. But when's the last
3: guy last time a guy came out at four three one in his forty and wasn't a deep threat? It's
2: weird. Uh honestly, there are a few guys like that That I, here's Mike Wallace was never really great at tracking the deep ball. And is that uh, what he, it is for Campbell?
3: It's just ball tracking. I haven't I think it's watching. ball tracking. Makes sense. I think it's ball tracking. That that kind and, of fits and, my mental narrative that I've built.
2: Yeah. Guys are sometimes just better when the ball only has to travel eight yards rather than traveling forty eight yards. And you know, you can understand why. Some guys are outfielders, some guys are infielders, and that's the difference.
3: Yeah. Excellent after the catch.
2: Yes. Very.
3: Although he didn't force a lot of missed tackles, I think it's just the speed, angles. We've talked about oh, yeah. that with Mixon before. So uh quite a few visits that happened here for the Bengals in the in the last day or so. Also in the last day or so, if you didn't see on Twitter, Joe and I participated in a Network-wide mock draft. This was fun. All of the Locked On hosts contributed for their respective teams, and we're just going to play some audio for you from what happened, and and it might surprise you, so take a listen. Brian Peacock and
4: Matt Williamson here, back with you on the Locked On Podcast Network 2019 mock draft special, and we have a trade. Someone has finally moved up into the top five here, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are moving down. Cincinnati Bengals are the team that's moving up, presumably for a quarterback, but we'll find out when that selection is made momentarily. The Cincinnati Bengals giving up their first round pick, number 11 overall, number 42 overall, their second round selection, and a third round pick in the 2020 draft to move up here to pick number five with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Cincinnati Bengals are now on the clock at pick number five. Let's go to the Bengals draft room and get that selection.
3: This is Jake and Joe from the Locked On Bengals podcast here in the Bengals draft room of the Locked On NFL mock draft. We are watching this draft happen. And as soon as Nick Bosa goes first overall, Joe and I are looking at, okay, if the next three picks go a certain way, let's look at moving ahead of the New York giants to draft a quarterback. And, We see Quinn Williams go two, Josh Allen go three, Devin White, who is a primary target, go four. And then we're starting to feel a little antsy about letting the board fall a certain way. And Joe, what do
2: we do? We contact the Buccaneers, who picked fifth originally. Uh, They were in talks apparently with another team, and we offered the second round pick, 42nd overall. And to sweeten the pot, we offered the 2020 third round pick, Uh, that got the deal done. Bengals were able to move up to number five and select our guy.
3: And we do give up a little bit of surplus value there with the third rounder next year. If you look at a draft chart, Tampa Bay comes ahead. But we think we get the best player in the draft, potentially the most franchise-changing player in the draft. So with the fifth pick of the 2019 NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Kyler Murray, quarterback, Oklahoma.
2: And we got our franchise guy. In our opinion, we got someone who can do things that our guy can't do, and which is create plays, extend plays. Uh, obviously, the running ability is there, but the deep accuracy, the arm talent. Yeah, there's some questions on Kyler Murray being a one-year starter, having to choose between baseball, but making him the fifth overall pick, giving him that guaranteed money as, as a f- number five guy will get paid, I don't think we have to worry about baseball anymore, and he's now our guy. And he obviously succeeded
3: Baker Mayfield. And there are questions about his height and him being an outlier. We're comfortable with that. And from a pro football focus perspective, comparing Kyler Murray to Baker Mayfield looks very favorable for Kyler Murray, who has the throwing that Baker Mayfield had. And on top of that is one of the best rushing quarterbacks in college football history.
2: And to think that the Browns do have Baker Mayfield and the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson and even the Steelers took Mason Rudolph. We felt the pressure to move up and get our guy. And in doing so, it's going to have some effects. We know we need a linebacker. And now without the second round pick, things are going to get a little tighter. We need to hit our draft picks for the rest of the draft. And we
3: do have a few sixth round picks and Andy Dalton is trade chips. We will probably look to move up later in the draft if we've moved up in the first round to make sure we're getting our guys at a few key positions like linebacker, tight end, developmental offensive lineman. These are all things that we have on the radar So we have given up some capital, but we got a franchise quarterback, we think, and we still have some trade chips to play with to hit the rest of the needs. We'll have to see how the rest of the draft goes to see how well we can address those needs. And that's what we're doing in the Cincinnati Bengals draft room.
4: And there it is. That ends the fall. For quarterback Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma, Matt, and I think it was just a matter of time. It was a matter of when need met value for some of these teams that were trying to move up.
1: Yeah, and... I've been saying all along that I think five is an odd position for Tampa to be in because I've operated under the assumption that when they get on the clock, Allen, Williams, Bosa and Murray would all be gone. And, Therefore, they don't get the dominant defensive player. There's a little bit of a gap after those guys. I think they'd love to get a dominant corner, but there's not one close to being worth the fifth pick. So they're somewhat in no man's land, And a lot of people have rumored you know that Devin White would be that pick at five. And yep. in our situation, he's already gone too. So there's not a guy jumping off the page for Tampa. So this makes perfect sense. You know, let's get more picks. They have a lot of needs. Maybe they'll be able to trade up at different portions of the draft now with more, you know, go get their guy. And as for Cincinnati, I mean, there's a a new sheriff in town. You know, Marvin Lewis was there for so long that now they have a new coach coming over from the Rams. And much like they did with Goff, let's build around this coach's guy. Um, It's not a bad sporting cast around them with, you know, AJ green and Mixon, And there are some talented players there. So, you know, the, the Bengals need a shot in the arm, and they're getting it with their coach-quarterback combination.
4: And here's the other thing in all this. You want to just throw these teams' names out there and say, oh, the you know, the Giants or uh, the Bengals or Washington or any of these teams, just like, oh, this team's going to trade up and get a quarterback, but there's a cost to that. So when you look at this trade, going from 11 to 5, The Bengals didn't have to dip into a future first round pick. They gave up their second round pick number 42 overall and a third round pick next year. That kind of offer, if the phone was ringing for the Cardinals or for the 49ers or or maybe even the Raiders, they were going to decline that trade. So this is the first spot a team like the Bengals had a chance to move up to if they weren't willing to dangle maybe a future first. And even this might be a little light on the trade front.
1: Yeah, and again, I think Tampa was not in a position to, with a guy they love. You know, if you're Arizona, you don't want to go all the way back to 11, and then you're missing out on those elite players that we've mentioned. So it is kind of a sweet spot to move up at that five situation. And again, I, I, I don't envy Tampa um, if they're sitting there with those three guys gone, or in this case, those four defensive players gone. Um, all of a sudden, you're you're kind of reaching a little bit.
4: Now that the first quarterback has been selected, let's go to our quarterback expert, Mark Schofield, to break down the pick.
5: This is Mark Schofield here to break down the first quarterback selected in the Locked On NFL Podcast Network mock draft, and that is Kyler Murray from the University of Oklahoma, selected by the Cincinnati Bengals who move up in the draft to get their quarterback in the future. And this is a brilliant acquisition by the Bengals who needed to solidify the quarterback position moving beyond Andy Dalton. And they get in Kyler Murray, the most athletic quarterback in this class, the quarterback with the best arm talent in this class. He is a dynamic Playmaker that can make accurate and strong throws to all levels of the field while still being able to create inside and outside the pocket with his legs and his eyes in those scrambled drill situations. And the last thing I want to mention here is this. Kylo Murray, for all his athleticism, His ability to make throws and plays from the pocket gets overlooked. And when you pair him with Zach Taylor, a young offensive protege, their new head coach, who comes from that Sean McVay school of scheming players open and using space and concepts to really stretch a defense from sideline to sideline, this is a potentially amazing marriage of player and scheme. And so I think this is a brilliant acquisition by the Cincinnati Bengals to acquire their next quarterback and Oklahoma's Kyler Murray. And now you guys got to see what we did.
2: We were excited. We were bursting. Uh, Jake and I were unanimous with this decision. And, in fact, as soon as Murray didn't go number one, we were, you know, messaging each other. Like, what do we do? Or do we start making a move? And we got on the phone lines pretty quickly and made this straight up. And, really, we didn't look back and, and didn't really think twice about it afterwards. We're, we're If this really happened, we'd be ecstatic with the results because – it's given you an opportunity to start over with a young guy, an electric quarterback, somebody that can do things you can't even dream of. And I, you know, speaking for myself, uh, it would just be something unprecedented and unlike the Bengals in every way and would give me more hope for the future than I think I'd ever dream of even having.
3: And, you know, I think if the Bengals were to make a trade up for a quarterback, and you'll hear this when you hear how the guys summarize the first six picks – where the Bengals could trade up and feel comfortable maybe with giving up a certain amount of draft capital that doesn't include a future, a future first round pick. It only includes one second round pick, one third round pick, and then you get to go get your quarterback, your franchise guy. And that's how we saw it is we're giving up a second and a third round pick to go get our, to go get our guy. And we know we talk about it. We know we have to hit picks for the rest of the draft, but like Joe said, I mean, we're only doing this if we think it's a special player, right? And and mm-hmm. I think we pro- we haven't even talked about it for a while because it's been a sure thing that he's going number one for probably two weeks now. But if there's a world where the Bengals can trade up to five to get a franchise quarterback that you believe in, then you know you feel good about that. And I think in terms of compensation, we win the trade, only given oh, a yeah. second
2: and a third. They even mentioned that they thought the trade was light because yeah. like they said we're on the verge of where it becomes do you give up that first round pick that extra first round pick or do you just give up you know day 2 assets and for us now let's say we come back now people because there's people probably listening oh I would never give that up We'll say you come back in the third round, and guys, we've spoken about a lot in terms of Blake Cashman, Jermaine Pratt, Ben Burkirvan are still there in the third, and you get your Cody linebacker Barton then. now, the Utah sure. guy
3: who just visited the Bengals, that's another visit, I think. That, I don't know if we've talked about that one or not, but Barton is yep. another linebacker that's visited the Bengals, and, right? That's right. Yep, and, ha- and had good testing,
2: I think. Gil- I think you'll had him 78th, right? Yeah, I believe so. Somewhere in there. So Right. And say they come away with a linebacker in round three. And yes, they've invested third round picks at linebacker that really haven't worked out the way we expected. And they can recently in Paul Dawson, Nick Vigil, and then Malik Jefferson. But add another talented guy to the mix, maybe someone emerges. The point being is linebacker becomes the least of your worries if you truly get a special quarterback. And that's what we thought we did.
3: And, And they also make the point, and you'll hear this, I'll just actually play it for you here in a second. He doesn't have to start right away. He can potentially sit for a year behind Andy Dalton if he needs to, to acclimate to the NFL game. And then we can turn around and trade Andy Dalton next year for, say, second, third round pick. Maybe, maybe you don't get that much because you lose your leverage if you have Kyler Murray waiting in the wings, and it's only one year at that point for Andy Dalton. But the right. point remains, no dead cap hit. Andy Dalton's still a good quarterback in the NFL. Maybe you turn around and you do an in-season trade. If things aren't going so well, you trade him in week six, and then Kyler Murray starts the rest of the year.
2: Right, and that's our third-round pick in 2020 that we gave up. So if you can even get a third-round pick back for Andy Dalton, which should be more than fair, you end up, okay, we didn't miss a pick in 2020. You're right back where you were. So that's how we also justified it as really only going to give up a second-round pick to move up and get a special player. And and again, the,
3: the point here is throw out what you think about Kyler Murray. Imagine that it's a franchise quarterback that you can give up that capital for. That you feel is an upgrade from your perfectly serviceable, but you feel like you've hit a wall with Andy Dalton. You've got a new coach. You want to give that coach a quarterback to mold into his system. And maybe this is a guy that can offer you a little bit more than Jared Goff did in the L.A. system. So that, I mean, I don't know if we're talking in circles at this point or not. I think we'd both be ecstatic. And there's a lot of reasons that we made the move.
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, let these experts, uh, Mark Schofield is a a great quarterback evaluator, let him speak and listen to what he says. And honestly, he's going to say a lot of the same things that get us excited about Kyler Murray and should get you excited. If this were, we know it's a pipe dream, but we were able to control the team. So we did what we felt would get them on the right track.
3: And they were talking about us after the first six picks when they recapped day one. So here's What Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, Ben Solak, and Trevor Sikama had to say about the first six picks of this mock draft exercise.
4: All right, Joe, last time we were on, we talked about this. We talked about who's going to make a move if someone's going to make a move to jump up and get Kyler Murray. And we saw that the Cincinnati Bengals jumping up from the 11th overall pick. To come to number five and draft Kyler Murray. This has to be the storyline of the day because holy cow, nobody really would has been associating the Cincinnati Bengals with Kyler Murray. But this is an aggressive move, one that gives them a very different player than what they've had there a quarterback in Andy Dalton.
0: Yeah, and if anyone's listened to the Draft Dudes podcast, you were kind of the first person that's that got me on board with the Bengals drafting a quarterback at eleven. And what this is, what's so interesting here is it seems like the right time. Andy Dalton, he's a fine NFL quarterback, but they have peaked with what they can do with Andy Dalton. With year one of Zach Taylor, it was the time to go in a new direction at quarterback, and I love the aggressiveness. They have time to, to really acclimate him, as opposed to if you were to go to a place like Arizona that was going to trade away Josh Rosen. He's going to have to be the guy from day one. That pressure is gone. I think this is a really exciting move for the Bengals, which has been a franchise that, let's be honest, has been stagnant for a while.
6: Ben, all right, so we'll ju- I'll just recap it real quick. Nick Bosa went one, Quinn Williams went two, Josh Allen, three. Devin White, four. But then we had a switch up here. Our first trade of the mock, Cincinnati getting Kyler Murray going all the way from number 11 to number five, trading back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then the New York Giants went with Gary. What sticks out to you? What's the storyline there in those six picks? So I think the big one, obviously we talked about Kyler Murray. He falls at five is the spot where Cincinnati is able to move up and they strike taking it Tampa. And it makes sense because you want to get in front of the Giants at six. Like, uh, Kyler visited the Giants a couple weeks before the draft. Yeah. Obviously, they're, they're in need of that potential replacement for Eli Manning, so you have to get in front of them. And at five at Tampa was the spot to do it. Kyler in Cincinnati was Zach Taylor. Let me tell you, Cincinnati went from a ho-hum doldrum franchise to the most interesting team What in the a league. phrase there. What a Listen, phrase. in the span of two months, we've got, you know, the Sean McVay potential 2.0 unproven offensive coordinator guy with Kyler, who doesn't even make a ton of sense for how the Rams run their system. Oh, it's fascinating if this is how things actually end up going.
3: And that's how they ended up going in the mock draft special. So go give that a listen. That's going on for the rest of the week. Maybe we trade it back into the first round to get, I don't know, an offensive lineman or a linebacker or something. So be sure to check that out. It's a really cool project that all of the hosts have contributed to. Some really great draft experts from around the net even the college uh locked on hosts are coming on if they've got a player from their school drafted so really cool project encourage you to go check that out over on the locked on nfl podcast we're going to take a break and then we will get back into our mock madness series as we finish up the first round stick with us
6: This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car.
0: All the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in two hundred dollars, they'll match you with another hundred dollars in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at My Bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while
2: you're at it. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies.
5: Join me every Thursday with The First One Drops, only on Amazon
2: Music. Let's go. Welcome back. It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. And today, we're recapping a little bit of what happened yesterday with the Mock Madness poll. As expected, I think, for you and I, Jake, uh, Devin Bush is clearly winning. There's still time. If you really love Rashawn Gary, go vote for him on the Lockdown account on Twitter. But right now it's 88% to 12. Devin Bush is running away with this. I think next round, we're already looking at it, right? Looking at the bracket, and it's going to be Devin White versus Devin Bush. So that's pretty exciting. I can't wait till we get to that one. But the last of our first-round bracket matchups are going to put two positions together again, and it's going to be edge rusher. Bengals have brought in and showed interest in a lot of defensive linemen, I think, pre-draft so far. One guy we really haven't heard much about is Cleland Farrell out of Clemson, but many view him as a top 15 prospect. And Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State. I just looked, and Gil Brandt has him ranked fifth overall. I think there's a chance he goes even lower than that and maybe even close to where he has Farrell at 18th overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, But edge rushers normally get drafted a little bit higher than where they may be ranked on these boards. So looking at them, where do you stand? What do you see the differences in the two, Jake? Well, I've
3: got the full profiles on both of them. So I'll tell you what I've got on Cleland Farrell and you can, is it Cleland? Well, I don't know. Cleland? Cleland? I've never heard of this name ever in my life. Me neither. So he's got a name. That's kind of cool. If you like unique names, Cleland or Cleland Farrell. So knock him up or down your board, depending on that. Pro Football Focus has him ranked 35 on their board. Ooh. He took a leap forward as a pass rusher in his third year, had some excellent productivity in his third year, especially as a pass rusher, finished 12th in pass rush productivity on the same line as guys we've talked about, like Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence was only 103rd in run-stop percentage. So he didn't get the stops necessarily as a run-stop, as a, as a run-defender, I should say, but did have good grades in that area. So despite not recording the tackles and making those stops, he was disruptive in the run game. That's what that means on Pro Football Focus if you see a guy with a high run-defense grade, doesn't have the correspondent run-stop percentage.
2: Because run defense also has a lot to do with playing your gap, being responsible, exactly. containing the edge. You may not be the one to make the tackle, but you are forcing the play back to somebody that is free to make the tackle. Precisely. He
3: did play, like I said, on a really good defensive line in Clemson, although the same can also be said for Montez Sweat, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Cleveland Farrell at the Combine did not compete in burst or street or speed drills. He did do agility testing and he came out kind of average to below average in those areas in the three cone and the shuttle drills. But he is 6'4", 264, 34-inch arms. He's big and tall and long. Has some of the measurables the Bengals like to look for. Um, Productivity metrics. We talk about these Jim Coburn metrics all the time. Solo tackle, sack and tackle for loss. Market share on a very successful team in Clemson. So worth emphasizing that... Had a lot of competition for these market share metrics. He's above the Pro Bowl thresholds, a tick below the averages, and pretty well short of the all pro marks, the guys that are going on to be Hall of Famers. He doesn't have that level of college production. Hmm. Testing as an average athlete also probably hurt him a little bit in this area. And if he had tested, you know, done really well in terms of burst, speed, f- f- uh, flexibility, ath- uh, agility. You might see him as a little bit less of a gamble, but when you look at all those things, uh, doesn't have elite production, has good, not great grading. You start to see how he kind of looks like a late first round guy, potentially looking at all these factors instead of an early first round kind of guy. And I'll let you weigh in on tape in a moment. He is seen by many as a high floor prospect. He has long-term three-year good productivity on a Mm -hmm. very successful team competing for national championships a lot of refinement to his game, good hand usage, but has those athletic athletic limitations on tape as well. Had an ACL tear way back in 2014, but that's probably not much of a flag for NFL teams at this point five years later, and doesn't look like a guy who's you're going to really stand up all that much, might be able to kick inside.
2: Yeah, I agree with that last part, too. Uh, I looked at the last three-year stats. 42 games played, 83 solo tackles, 50.5 tackles for loss, which is pretty good. It means he's getting at least one every game. Uh, and then 27 sacks, mo- most being 11.5 in a season. So he has the production marks at least of a guy that, like you said, for Jim Coburn, uh, someone you want as at least a starter and could be a Pro Bowl guy. For me, when I watch him on tape, I think a lot of, a lot of the excitement originated and, and put him maybe top 15 was his matchup in the national championship game against um, – or was that the, the game before the national championship? Either way, the bowl game versus against Alabama and Jonah Williams, and he – Gave it to Jonah Williams a little bit. He hit him with those long arms. He showed him the power. He he got underneath him. He converted speed to power really well. And what I mean is you get off the line. You got that burst up field. Uh, you may, at this point, you can come back inside with a power move or you can try and rip around the arc and balance around the arc. I think Cleveland Farrell does a good job of balancing both of those and keeping a two-way option. He's not just a pure speed guy. He's not just a pure power rusher. And because of that, you can beat a guy both ways. So when I watch him... I do think he's probably worth a top 20 pick. I think we've seen definitely worse defensive ends to go top 20, but seeing him ranked so low by others, it makes you hopeful that maybe he does slide a little bit or, or comes back a little towards the Bengals at 42. And, and if he was there, he'd definitely be the best player available. So I like Cleveland Farrell. I think this is going to be the closest of the two polls. We, I mean, of the, of the top polls we put up for the first round. And I'll let you talk about Montez Sweat because I think I like Sweat more, but there is a chance, and people have told me, that he could go a little bit later than expected.
3: Yeah, and we'll get to Sweat in just one second. just wanted to point out one other thing, is that you mentioned that he can win inside and outside with converting speed to power much better than Sweat in this area at getting pressure on the inside, where he ranked 22nd on snaps per inside pressure at twenty once every 20.3 snaps. Also, incidentally, won equally with outside pressures at once every 20.3 snaps. That is mm. the worst ranking, I think, at the college level. You'll see guys a lot more likely to win on the edge going around the arc. And we'll see that with Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat ranked 46 on Pro Football Folks' big board, had another another guy with a big step up in his last year in University of Mississippi State at all levels of the game, was the number one ranked run-stop percentage edge player in the draft and came in one spot better than Cleveland Farrell in pass rush productivity. In college, he won most frequently by running around the arc with a pressure every 13.3 snaps on rushes around the outside. Now you compare that to Farrell and that's much more frequent around the edge, but on the inside he won much less frequently getting inside pressures only once out of every 39.9 snaps.
2: I think that makes perfect sense to me based on what I saw on tape, too. And he has that burst upfield around the arc for a tall, lanky guy is how I look at his body type. Uh, he gets around the arc pretty well, man. Those long arms, he, he uses them well. I just, right, he needs that power back inside. He doesn't really have it. Doesn't If he gets knocked off balance, he can be put into the ground a little bit. But I do like him against the run. I'm glad Pro, pro, pro Football Focus has him graded that high because I thought he flashed a lot against the run.
3: His run defense grade is actually pretty comparable to Cleveland Farrell, but he I mean mm-hmm. the run stop percentage of twelve point seven percent is pretty insane.
2: So, That's the flashes then. That's when you see him make these these stops, yeah. and I and I go, wow, 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 more often, whereas he may just be a com- comparable, like you said, run defender.
3: He uses those thirty five and three quarter
2: inch arms, which is yeah. absolutely nuts. Imagine standing straight up and itching your ankle. Wouldn't that yeah. be great? I mean he, tying he, your his, shoes standing up.
3: His arms are about just just a little bit less than two inches longer than Cleveland Farrell, who comes in over 34 inches, but definitely not over 35 inches. But Sweat has long, long arms, and he knows how to use them. He uses that length uh, to his benefit and also has a pretty good anchor. So when you talk talk about uh, setting the edge, that's very visible when you watch him on tape. Uh, In terms of combine testing, though, pretty nuts. Uh yep. relative athletic score of nine point eight nine in the super elite area, ran a four four one at two hundred and sixty pounds, six foot five. had also really good agility testing. Um really really tested well across the board. Comparable testers were Brian Burns, Josh Sweat last year from Florida State, Ziggy Ansa, Daniil Hunter, and Jadavion Clowney were some of the top comparisons for mock Draftable.
2: That means he is an elite athlete. RAS, relative athletic score of a 9.89. Yeah. I mean, a 9.9 is pretty –
0: what the fuck?
2: (laughs) I'm sorry about that. I just had to yell at the kids. You know how it is if you're a fellow dad out there or mom. Um, They just have no respect for your private business. Anyways, so 9.89 relative athletic score. Pretty good. That puts him in elite territory. So it matches up with the tape. It, you know, really, I wouldn't be surprised if Sweat goes really high. Gilbrant having him number five overall, I think, is a stretch. But at the same time, if he goes top twelve, I'm not, I'm not surprised by that at all. I think if, uh, rare guys like this that are good against the run also. That means they're into it. That means they want to play. That means they're, they 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 want to make an impact in all phases of the game. They're more than just an athlete as a pass rusher. They're a complete football player. And I think Montez Sweat is that in 26 games over the last two years, 48 solo tackles, 30.5 tackles for a loss. So, again, he's getting about one one per game. 22 and a half sacks, the most he ever had in a year, is 12. So very productive also.
3: Yeah. Uh... Just to put those into context, very similar when you take that as a market share and compare it to the historical uh, thresholds and averages for pro bowlers and all pro players at the position to his competitor, Cleland Farrell, in this particular competition. Uh, short of all pro thresholds, throw to, short of all pro averages, right in line with the pro bowl averages for the position. So I think he comes in a, a tick ahead in terms of productivity, but the point with the productivity stuff is both of them hit the thresholds for Pro Bowl-level play there. Talking about the tape a little bit here, tape backs up the pro football focus grades and metrics in terms of run defense being a strength uses his length and that strong anchor I mentioned to be really good at setting the edge. The Bengals have had this for years with guys like Carlos Dunlap Mm -hmm.
2: and even michael johnson uh, and michael johnson yep that was the other name he, I was. he may for. be more comparable to michael johnson i think yep. when we talk about sweat that's Just the, the lankiness yeah. oh you were already going there look at this we did not compare notes beforehand guys we, we didn't i was actually going to mention
3: that the agility and flexibility that he tested pretty well doesn't show up on tape and so there's some concern from people that are looking at his tape that he he relied a lot on winning around the edge in college and using that speed and length to win around the edge and when there's more length and more agility and, and more strength at tackle at the NFL level, will he still be able to use that length to turn the corner as well when there's some concerns about hip flexibility translating yeah. to game situations? And, and like you said, though, really long guy. So if he gets a long arm into somebody's chest at nearly 36-inch arms... That's going to be longer than most tackles yeah. in the NFL, if not all the tackles in the NFL that he's going to see
2: on a year-to-year basis, and that that he can definitely use to get around the edge. And this may bring up a conversation of how do we com- how do we match tape with athleticism testing, right? And in this case, for me, when it when a guy tests like a agile and quick athlete, we can take Jordan Willis as a great example. Yep. Jordan Willis tested fantastically, still went in the third round, and it's because when you watched him on tape. He was very stiff around the edge. Uh, He didn't always win around the arc. He couldn't win around the arc a lot of times. And when you talk to good evaluators, they say, okay, so what do we do with this? He tests like he should be able to do it. He tests like he can do it, but he doesn't do it on tape. So is it a technique issue? Is it something we can teach him? Is it something we can refine? Because it means it's in him, the talent is in him, but he's not opening that box. He's not able to tap that talent consistently enough and that's often you can get it you can take an average talent guy with great technique and turn him into a pro bowl player but you can take it a, uh a, a extremely talented uh, an elite athlete and if you can unlock that that's where you usually get those pro bowl perennial all pro eventually hall of fame type guys and that's why these these players even if it doesn't always match on tape will get drafted because coaches think yeah i can fix that
3: it's noteworthy, of course, that he played on the same defensive line as Jeffrey Simmons. So, when you start to talk about, you know, there's other talent that's freeing up Clallan Farrell, same is true for Montez Sweat. Jeffrey Simmons was a consensus, I think, was, was likely to be a consensus top 10 guy up there with uh, Ed Oliver and Quentin Williams, a defensive tackle, before he tore his ACL in an offseason workout program. Also worth noting, we talked about the ACL tear five years ago for uh, Farrell. Montez Sweat has a heart condition. I think that was checked out. I think he's been cleared, and has some disciplinary red flags way back in his history that are concerning. I think for some NFL teams, he had disciplinary issues that are pretty murky. It's not. I don't. I don't think the story is entirely clear what happened at Michigan State, but he ended up off the football team. I think he was kicked off the team.
2: Yep. And somebody I know that is connected with a team or I should say the league uh, and has had interaction with sweat says that still remains an issue for some teams and his personality still remains an issue. So uh, we could see him drop, drop a little bit. And that would be interesting if Jeffrey Simmons and Montez sweat go on the back half of the top 20, uh, let's say, I mean, you know, after 20 and in that 40 range, if they get close enough to the Bengals, because I think we like both guys sweat and Jeffrey Simmons, especially Simmons, especially on tape. And I wonder, I think of the other half of Cleveland Farrell and Christian Wilkins, and I'm told they're perfect guys off the field. Like leadership, you want these guys in your locker room. And so it's almost the exact opposite. And will that be enough to get them drafted higher? Because I I think Simmons is better than Wilkins. I think, honestly, it's close between Sweat and Farrell, but I would probably put the edge to Farrell because he tested and because I have that in my back pocket that I know he really said. Yes, that's what I meant. Sweat tested. Sweat tested. Farrell didn't want to be clear on that. So I would probably have sweat a little bit ahead, but character can make or break a prospect. And Big these two time. Clemson guys will probably go higher because of it.
3: Yeah. So that, that I think is a significant factor. So Montez sweat, Cleveland Farrell. Do you guys want to take uh, the, the high character guy? Do you want to take a similar production? You're really yeah. splitting hairs. I think in a lot of ways between these two prospects, PFF likes Cleveland and Farrell a little bit better. Gil Brandt likes Montez sweat a whole lot better. Who who's your guy?
2: And, who am and I taking? Be, well, yeah. I don't know who I'm taking in it. I don't think I take either guy at eleven. I think no. these whoever wins this, and this is gonna be a close battle, is probably gonna lose in the next round. I think that that is all but guaranteed. Because who who are they gonna be up against? Do we know? They're in the bottom right, right? It would be Gary and and oh no, I'm sorry, Bush and White are gonna go against go against each other. So it maybe will they're be. up against the QBs. So it'll be against T.J. Hawkinson from Iowa. T.J. beat out Noah Fant, the teammate. Uh, So it'll be whoever wins this out of Cleveland, Farrell, Montez Sweat will go against Hawkinson. Uh, It'll also be round two will be Devin White versus Devin Bush, it looks. It'll also be Ed Oliver versus Josh Allen. And Dwayne Haskins versus Jonah Williams. So it's going to really get cut down, I think, at this point. There's some fun ones in there.
3: I think Ed Oliver, Josh Allen is... Particularly interesting with our listenership probably being heavily indoctrinated to Ed yeah. Oliver and the virtues of drafting uh, future Geno Atkins versus the Kentucky fans, and also
2: Josh Allen is a very good player. Right, Allen's going to go top six, so I, you know, it's not like we're you saying one guy's superior to the other. I just think it's it's going to be a pick your poison there.
3: Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Keep an eye out for that poll. Take your pick. Cleland Farrell of Clemson, Montez Sweat of Mississippi State. Who's your edge rusher? We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. As always, you can subscribe on the new Himalaya app for a curated list of recommended podcasts. that's only going to continue to get better. Give that a look. Also available on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you use to get your podcasts on a daily basis. And remember to tell your smart device to play podcasts Locked on Bengals. Have a good one, Bengals fans. Did you watch the
0: 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? season Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team,